guess. Bygone time. From behind the barcast, the podcast for bartending service industry, drinking in general, and public service? Question mark. Today we are joined once again by your friend and mine, Mr. Brian West. How we doing, bud? I'm doing great. How about you? Dude, very well, thank you. And thanks for coming on again. Uh, the last time we spoke on this show, at least, uh, you were a council person running for mayor. Now you have been elected mayor. Do the stakes not? about coming on the show but in general do the stakes seem higher for you now uh uh no i don't think so i think i kind of you know knew what to expect i saw uh what shirley was doing and going through and uh i think i think i knew what to expect yes business um, as usual sort of i, I knew yeah yeah um <laughs> It, everybody's so respectful <laughs> now. I'm really like, I, I either so that get, has changed. Yeah, yeah. I, I either get like you know people are are, are are a lot nicer than they used to be, or they're like they're like, hey, this is Brian. He's the mayor, and they look at me like, you. <laughs> you love to hear that. So many people have been like, that's your girlfriend. Wow. Well, yeah. Well <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that's a universal thing. You really? Yeah. No. Okay. Wonder how you did that. Well, that, well, that the reason I asked was because you know, coming from being a council person to you know the big boy seat. Uh, not saying that all the seats aren't big boy, but uh, the 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 gravitas of your decision making, what you do, and how you you know interact with the public and you know your uh, your colleagues. Um, does that sort of change the way you have to approach your decision-making? Because in the seat you're currently in, your decision-making has a lot more, I don't know, influence and weight than it would, you know, as a council person. Yeah. And has that changed your perspective on, do I need to take another beat before I, you know, espouse my position on certain things? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty cautious about making quick decisions. So uh, more cautious? More cautious, more, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there are some things that, that I'm, I guess I'm still getting used to because they'll come to me and say, you know, we're, we want to, um, you know, we're going to do this thing and, you know, we're letting you know about it. And I'm, I'm like, that's great. <laughs> oh, wow. We're functioning as, a, as an actual. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm getting used to, uh, you know, still getting used to it. But uh, I, I, I don't. Uh, I typically don't make quick decisions unless it's really obvious. Uh, and sure. so, I, um, you know, and I'm used to being put on the spot with things. So, right. uh, I, you know, I can handle that. And, uh, yeah. But you're saying you're being briefed more now? Yeah. Yeah. I essentially. Am. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's also, you know, we have, you know, I'm, I'm learning that we have, I have contacts with people outside of the city that I knew that was going to happen, but I just didn't realize how so many, many of them there were, you know, there's so many different levels of state and federal government and the representatives in those places. And then all the agencies for the federal and the state that do, you know, all the things that they do. Oh, the spider you know? web. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're like, yeah, obviously I'm going to have to talk to people in Atlanta about, but then all of a sudden there's their departments. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and you know how government works. Government writes a law, and then they have an agency like write their rules to to, to carry that law out. You know, and so there's there's a, a lot of rules for different things, and just you know something simple like everybody takes for granted for granted that we have you know money coming in for sand for for beach nourishment, and uh, and that's been set up and it's been worked on by people in the past, and. The agency it comes through just like it was. It's like the I don't know. I don't even know the name of the agency it comes through. But I was like, wow! I would have never thought that you know the money flows through an agency to us. That are you that way. are you provided staff at all to uh, sort of do the research no. work or the no. prep work on no. any of that? So th it's all on you to <laughs> well, have this mental stack and understanding as it comes along. Obviously, of the the ins and outs and the functionality of each of these 
the new departments that you're having to work with? Right. Well, so city staff is is um, knows you know who the contacts are and knows those people. And we have uh, you know like the city has contractors for certain things that do certain things for us, and they know those contacts, and they are the ones introducing me to these people. And so the the city staff really cares out a lot of about everything that needs to be done. I wouldn't really need um, an assistant or anything. Or any carnal knowledge of the in and out workings of those departments necessarily because your people who are on staff know all of those things. You're just right. kind of the... And you have to kind of decide what's important for you to know, you know, at, at some point. So I kind of, I kind of, you know, go through that a little bit too. But our former government, uh, you know, the, the council is like a board and I'm the chairman of the board and we hire somebody to run the business for us. And so our city manager runs the business and... I try to stay. I try to let her do her job as much as she can and stay out of that. Because um, you want to trust the people that are working for you and under you that they're capable of doing those jobs. Right. Yeah, I got you. And that's very respectful. Yeah. I mean, we have to be proactive and make sure things are done right and well. Um, but you know, if we find that the person can't do the job, then and then for that same reason, we don't interact directly with like the department heads because they work for the city manager. So it would be inappropriate for us to like call you know, the director of engineering or that department, the director of the DPW, the fire chief, and ask for something because he's already got a role with the city manager. Our job is to create policy, you know, and to try and fix things that, uh, you know, that aren't going well for us. Yeah, you don't want to go over someone's head and be like, oh, well, I'm going to pull the trump card and be like, no, I'm going to contact the director directly. Yeah, right. that's sort of a Ace Rothstein casino situation. Don't go over <laughs> my head again. We'll put you in a hole in this desert out here. You got, you know, you, you've hired the person to do this job. Let them, you know, let them do their job. And, and I then, think that's a, 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 number one, a brilliant way to go about it because any any industry that you're in, if you if you're not hiring people that you can trust to delegate those things to, which is you know their actual job, then it sort of gets caught up in what what is your mental stack? What is your mental load of like having to wonder whether the person under you is capable or actively doing what they're supposed to be doing? Yeah. And how uh, how involved uh, at this point are you and the people that are under you in, in their hiring and their? Not at all. The city manager makes so hiring decisions. So it's in place. Yeah. So our council has decided the city manager is an acting city manager right now. Um, so the city council has decided to uh, do a search for a city manager. So our role is to find somebody to run the business, basically, uh, and. The current city manager is doing a fantastic job, and she's well liked. And uh, but we have to make sure that we've picked the you know the best person sure. for the job. And uh, it, you know, it, hopefully it'll be her. Um, if it's some, if there's somebody better, I'd be very surprised. But we're going to find out. So you're pretty happy with the current situation. Yeah. And, that, and so, yeah, well, that's good. I mean, and that probably makes the day to day work life a little bit you know easier and better. Because I was wondering how important is it to either number one like your colleagues or be liked by your colleagues well i can't worry about being being liked okay <laughs> <laughs> i hate that for that to sound callous but oh, hey. oh. <laughs> but i'm gonna not everyone's for everyone i'm eventually gonna piss somebody off you know with a decision i make and if you I, didn't you'd be you'd be pandering to right yeah. right i'd be wiffle waffling on everything right <laughs> but i do very much want uh, the group that we have to to work together you know to get along with each other and work together even though we don't we don't all agree, you know, philosophically with the you way should've. things should be done. Right. And that's what makes a good board. You know, that's what makes a good group when you have diversity and, and thought and opinion, you know, then you're not, everybody's not doing the same, you know, the same thing. So it, it takes a village. Yeah. And we have that. I think, you know, we're very fortunate to have the group that we have. They're new, they're energetic. They have lots of questions. They uh, want to get things done. We made an incredible, almost five page wish list of all the things that we'd like to see happen for the city. Um, so we're working through, you know, which which one of those to tackle first, while at the same time working on what's already going on, you know. And so uh, it's very dynamic, and it's a great group, and I'm I'm happy to be working with them. Well, that's a it, it, that's a good piece of the puzzle, and through the idea of it takes a village, so there's a lot of moving parts. So you know, council is one, you know, other members sitting inside city hall, also the the general public, the citizenry, as it were, and. When it comes to, so typically in most uh, smaller dynamic governments like a Tybee or whatever, typically the from the citizenship, a lot of the influence would probably come from wealth, I would think, right? 
So like uh, the wealthier people, they get together, they like uh, a certain candidate for whatever position. They probably have that candidate's ear in some sort of way because it is a small community. Uh, that, that candidate gets elected and then all of a sudden this section of the citizenry has the ear of that elected official. But here on Tybee, I think it's slightly different. Obviously that, that, that wealth is a factor. But I think down here, if you're second or third generation Tybenian and your family's been down here forever, I think that holds as much influence in terms of what the public wants versus what the, uh, uh, what the city will do for them and the exchange in that. Have you, have you found uh, the, the push of the influence from you know, old time Tybee people in terms of how people make decisions when it comes to policy and things like that? There's, I mean, there's, there's definitely uh, you know, two groups. There's uh, the old time Tybee people um, that that have lived here forever, and they um, they should be respected for for that for for the his everybody loves Tybee because it's you know it's a cool place you know and it has a little, it's quirky a little bit you know and and uh, so and, and people want to preserve that they come here they move here they love it they like it um, and they want to keep it that way but at the same time times are changing you know there's new ways to do things. Uh, there, you know, there's improvements we can make. So, you know, have, it's a careful balance, you know, between satisfying the, you know, the, the old school tabby that we all cherish so much and the, the new people that are coming in. Um, and I hate to say new because some of them have been here, you know, 20 years. But if you uh, ask a local what's new, you know, anything. <laughs> I've been here 13 years. Well, and I, I kind of hate that that's a thing too, because you I know, know it's, it's, it's how long have you been here? You know, but, um, but, but the, but the, the people that are coming in are like, um, very talented, you know, very knowledgeable retirees from whatever industry they worked in. Um, and they can serve on our boards. They can serve on our wild boards and our team of boards and, you know, all that stuff, the, the historical preservation commission, and they run committees like a business. And we, you know, I, I went to our GMA conference in Atlanta. We all went uh, last week and, our city is just like so far ahead of a lot of places around Georgia with um, our population and our capabilities and our technology. And, um, you know, I feel, I feel very fortunate, you know, to be here. We, I I met a lady a year ago when I went who, uh, you know, the school bus driver didn't come pick up her child and she called the school board and, and complained. And they said, we don't have any school bus drivers. And she was the mayor, and she was like, well, I'm going to fix this, you know. And she couldn't find it either, so so she drives the school bus now. <laughs> so, it takes a village, yeah, baby. Yeah, and I thought that was that was just fantastic. And, and you know, we have, we, have, we have a fair amount of money, and we have lots of knowledgeable resources, you know, to help us get things done. Well, even without a lot of show prep, before we did this thing, you were segueing beautifully into every question I was thinking to ask. <laughs> because uh, when you were talking about bringing uh, the new blood, if we call it that, uh, where people wouldn't necessarily respect it because it's like, oh, they don't know the, the culture of Tybee or whatever. When uh, their, their pushback on new blood is like, hey, wouldn't you rather have like a fresh mind, an outside perspective? But I see there's a division between there's people that view our old fashioned or old school mentality down here on Tybee and the way things are done as like, oh, it's cute and old fashioned. And then there's another that says that's not old fashioned, that's outdated. And I think a division that's happening is, okay, so if you're thinking about fiscally, a a person with interest in Tybee, if they own some property and stuff like that, there's a definite uh, chance for them to, you know, make money off of property and you know renting and things like that and then there's the uh the the sect that's like well i don't want tybee to change at all but you can't progress and move forward without a balance of both how how does it affect you in terms of your decision making on like who uh what's more important keeping our unique culture which will change if it's only like new uh, money coming in, looking to buy property and rent it to, you know, just cash out or keeping the essential things of what makes Tybee what it was, which won't be like that anymore if it becomes just a big bastion of, you know, rental properties and stuff like that. Like, where, where does the balance lay for you? I mean, I'm traditionally, I'm conservative. I don't want things to change very much if possible. Yeah. Um, but when I see opportunity to make something better, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to 
I'm going to have to you know carefully consider that. But does bringing more income make it better, or because the reason people would come here in the first place, either to visit or to own property, because like you said, people will visit here and be like, oh, I love this place, I want to be a part of it. But then as that turns over year over year, and it becomes less about the quirkiness because the quirkiness gets pushed out. Yeah. I, I would hate to see us become a place where income is important. I mean, that, yeah, <laughs> that, that's, but I mean, uh, it seems like it's skewing in that way. And it, so, well, yeah. yeah, but people have the right to buy property, you know? So what? <laughs> no, understood. Yeah. Understood. It's just, I, I realize that what makes us quirky is, is not, uh, you know, people spending money. It's the people that you see, you know, at the bar stool next to you or on the beach next to you. And if those people don't exist anymore, then the charm is kind of gone, I would think. You know? Yeah, well, and, you know, my my wife was looking at next door and there was somebody complaining about there's too many bars on Tabby, you know. And uh, we were like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And then there comes Did you get the wrong pamphlet, <laughs> pamphlet for the wrong city whenever you came yeah. down here? <laughs> and then there was a comment down the way that said something about all, you know, the, all the bars had... There were prostitutes sitting at the bars or something. <laughs> I, I mean, no, not exactly wrong. <laughs> and, and Becky, Be, Becky goes, I was sitting at the bar at Huckapoo's last night. <laughs> I was having a, I was having a bowl of, of broccoli soup for God's sakes. <laughs> She's like, you could have at least said high dollar prostitute. <laughs> really? Come on, man. That's right. <laughs> and she was wearing this furry, this white furry vest thing. I said, were you wearing that prostitute vest while you were over there? <laughs> she got home, she threw it away. And you're like, honey, why are you throwing that vest? I'm never wearing this again. <laughs> no, she calls it that too, just to get my prostitute vest. We're going, the we're one night the I was wearing, the one night I was wearing it. Yeah. Uh, real, real quick shout out. So, uh, Firemaker, uh, uh, they've, uh, sponsored this episode, uh, and this brand deal wouldn't have been able to happen without the, uh, without my man, Michael O'Connor, who is uh, very capable. He, he's their man on the street here. Baby Mike? Baby Mike. Mike O'Connor. And uh, I'm having the uh, Sun Vibes by Firemaker. It is a uh, alcoholic coconut water. Sure. We have some uh, lime sparkling water, which is an amazing mixer for your vodka, which I'll probably be having after the show. <laughs> the plug. Just a little plug for you. Uh, visit uh, firemakerbeer.com. And you can follow them on their socials at Firemaker Beer. In the seasons of your life, uh, through college and everything, have has your uh, preference for what you drink changed at all? Uh, I went through a season of life where I couldn't drink bourbon oh, because ooh, ooh. I, I, uh, it was uh, you know we had so much of it at Georgia football games that I got to where I just couldn't do it anymore. That's fair. Um, but That's I've, fair. I've, I've reacquired the taste. For bourbon, so, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'll usually get a, a bourbon and water if we go somewhere. And uh, the other night we were we were somewhere and I ordered a bourbon and water and the bar, the bartender put a bourbon and Coke in there and gave it to me. And I took a sip and it was it was uh, it, I've tasted a football game. I mean, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was, the Ratatouille moment. Was, you're, yeah, you're automatically brought yes. back. I, um, I had to sit it down. I go, wow, that, that takes me back to my teens. We lost 28 to 7 in 1994. <laughs> it was just like a whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Jim Donnan days. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I didn't waste it. You know, of course not, yeah. That's a jolt. You're like, I think I'm getting a bourbon and water, which I didn't realize that, but we, we have the same taste. Well, I used to drink tequila a lot, but then what I didn't know was I thought my gas problem and my stomach issues <laughs> were gas or something else so and i i sort of uh began to realize that it was i always had these problems when i was hung over and i would eat like shit and whatever so i thought it was gas so one day i uh drank a bunch of pickle juice thinking that would help then i uh <laughs> drank an oatmeal smoothie with raw oatmeal in it and it put me in the hospital <laughs> oh no because i had an ulcer oh no so when you put <laughs> raw oatmeal blended onto an ulcer it's like razor blades onto a vodka ulcer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. fermentation yeah, so, no just the physicality of it literally scrapes across so i've been on the bourbon ever since <laughs> oh, then wow. bourbon yeah. and water yeah bullet <laughs> bourbon specifically do you ever work uh service industry at all uh yes i worked at uh baskin robbins in the old thorpe mall when i was in really hospital. yeah it was a it was a great job. <laughs> it was. I mean, uh, you know, and <laughs> all the ice cream you could eat. Oh yeah, no, the, you know, he had cameras. He had, 
it, way back then that. they had cameras, wow. yeah. Because, you know, you give away too many scoops, those taste, those little taste spoons, you know, and the owner gets worked up and comes in. So you have to watch those. But, yeah, I, uh, you know, it, it, it's great. You, p- people need to work in the service injury industry from time to time. It, uh, yeah, I think it's like Israel. You know, you have to do um, a military service for like two years, yeah. you know. Yeah. In the U.S., I think you should have to work in the service industry at least a year or two just to understand. It's that, humanizing. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, because it, it, like not to espouse the values of working service industry, like it's like it's some noble thing or whatever. But there is a crash course in understanding uh, the interaction between service and serving. And it gives you a little not it doesn't humble you, but it makes you understand like, hey, the person on the other side of the, the bar, the whatever is a person too and it's you know it's not and it it can translate into every other aspect of whatever industry you're in because if i think about the people that i've worked with and the importance of of how they conduct themselves and what they do to me is 50 percent is probably how well do they do their job 20 percent is how much they care about their job and the other 30 percent is are they a good hang are they cool to be around can i spend eight to ten hours a day with them in an office, you know? Yeah. Do you find, uh, have, have your work hours gone up since? Yeah. So you're spending a lot of time with a lot of the same people. Is the, do you put sort of the same gauge of importance on how does it matter to you more? It's like, I really like this person. So it's easier to interact than if, if I didn't like them at all, but I agreed with them on everything. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because my i think my role is to is to bring that group together and put them in a spot to make the best decision they can i I don't really make a decision unless unless they can't decide so it's different now when i was on council i was trying to convince people to to vote in the way i wanted them to vote you know and to compromise and work things out and now you know that's really up to them and uh and like i said i i call it if, if they can't decide so it's a little bit different dynamic than, than would what it I had be inappropriate before. for you to attempt to influence them on the way to? Well, of course, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, you know, say what I think. Sure. You know, uh, but not with the intention of uh, persuading them in any way, because that would, that dynamic would be a little inappropriate. Uh, I mean, if it's important to me, I would probably try to persuade. Sure. Um, well, I guess that's not fair either, because it's all important. Um, but I, I don't know. I just haven't haven't been put. I haven't haven't been in a position yet where I strongly disagreed with what was going on. Um, and in some cases, you know, the the persuasion is going to have no effect because you already know the person's stance, and you you know you're not going to change their mind. You know, so um, they're going to do what they what they're going to do regardless of what everybody else thinks. Is there ever a time you thought you could change someone's mind? Honestly. Oh yeah. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't think that that would be even on the table at all. Yeah. Like you could talk and bullshit with each other, but it just like arguing on social media or anything like that. It's like I'm probably not going to, you know, change this person's mind. Well, yeah. I mean that yeah, that happens a lot too. And but like so for example, we had an, a topic and I'm not going to get real specific because the, the person will know what I'm talking about. We had a topic that somebody had made up their mind on that needed to be fixed until they heard that um there were other opinions in the community that disagreed with it. And then they were like, oh, you know, like, okay, I thought everybody thought this way, you know? And so, um, and they, and they, you know, kind of changed their stance a little bit because they found out they weren't the majority. You know? Wow. I have such a bleak view of that decision-making <laughs> because, I mean, it makes a little more sense that they were like, oh, they were just uninformed that, you know, the public or whoever, or the majority, you know, felt one way. I didn't think that that would have a factor except for whether they intended to be elected again to please the constituency mm. sort of thing, you know? Yeah. I had a very we've, bleak view. We've got a good two years before we have to start pleasing. <laughs> right? <laughs> it ain't election season yet, baby. We're, we're, we're in the salad days right now, yeah. That's, that's right. Well, it, and, well, that was just one of the dynamics that I wondered about because it, in terms of people being informed on what uh, uh, they think the public wants, and how much that influences their decisions, I would just think that I'm just so used to having people of a mind that like they've made up their mind, and all the talk, all the discussion, all the back and forth is is just it's 
it's fluff just to get to the vote. Yeah. I mean, I, and it's, it's, I'm, I'm fairly perceptive. I already know that if we have four people that have made up their mind, um, and, and I, and I know them and I know whether or not I can talk to them, um, that there's really, you know, there's, there's not a lot you can do except let them, let them do what they're going to do. You know. So does reason work better or does, uh, uh, giving them the knowledge that, uh, that the public wants it more than they think, which, which, which is the most powerful tool. Well, um, public knowledge, knowledge of what the public wants has been effective, Yeah. but we all use, we always use, especially amongst themselves, they always use reason to try to, um, come to a middle ground, you know, on things. So, uh, they're, they're both persuasive, but I guess it depends upon the person. Sure. Yeah, how they were. I've just not with specifically like Tybee politics, but reason is probably the last thing that ever affects anyone's decision making. You know, in terms of people that I deal with personally. Yeah. You know, so that's just why that that's why I have this bleak view of how you know things come together like that. Uh, you know, I told I had three kids, and we ended up with with three extra kids, which I very much appreciate that experience in my life, but. Um, you learn to um, think about what if we do this, what's going to happen next? You know, what's going to be the outcome of, of, of what we're thinking about doing here? So um, I, I try to think about that. And then maybe if they're not aware of what that outcome could be, you know, say this might happen if we try that, you know. And, and I know you feel this way right now, but you're not thinking about what the, you know. Yeah, or it affects this other thing, sure, you know, yeah. that, that it's, it's going to mess that up if we do it that way. And so uh, – but like, like I said, there's certain topics, um, short-term rentals. Uh, people have made up their minds on short-term rentals. And if there's three or four people that agree on what the ordinance should be, um, you know, then, then there's, there's not going to be much persuasion there. When I was on council, um, I was able to work with um, Monty, and he was very cooperative and, and very agreeable and got us to what I think is a very fair set of ordinances. Um, or for short term, short, short term. Okay. yeah um there's there's a there's a one or two things i would i would change but they're not significant um but you know other people you know refuse to do that they, they well what, what are the cliff notes on those uh like like for example um the, like a cap or something like well well no we kind of we kind of have it's capped now so okay. uh, um so, well, the one thing that's on the agenda this week is being able to transfer. Uh, there was a there was a big uproar about people who have lived here their whole lives, their parents have lived here their whole lives, and they want to be able to pass their, their house to their kids and let their kids rent it if they need it to keep it. If it's you know? already uh, as a STVR. Right. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. If the, and if the kids, you know, if they want to keep it in the family and they have to be able to rent it to be able to do that, then we wanted them to be able to keep their family home. That seems reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Monty agreed with that too. And he was willing to make that change. Oh, well, so Monty's on the more on the side of like less STVR. Right. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And so I just want to give some context, but yeah, this, gotcha. this, this session we have um, this week, we have on the agenda to take away the right to transfer, which is something that we worked as a compromise, you know, to make happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, <laughs> right between coming from uh, a council person to mayor what what have you noticed uh, just within city hall has been the hot button issues versus uh, with with the people inside city hall versus the hot button issues with the public and how different are they like if you were to say your top two concerns from the council and and mayor versus top two concerns of citizens uh, do they align I, th I think our citizens felt like we've 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 had the short-term rental battle now and and it's settled you know and we're gonna we're gonna make it work with what we have uh, and but I think council is is wanting to keep that alive you know that is a we're gonna make changes to it and uh, we have I think one of the most important things to council and I think to the community is our future long-term water supply and the infrastructure of our water system and sewer system and our stormwater system. So the, you know, changes are coming up for that. Um, I don't know. A lot of people probably don't think about being able to turn the tap on, you know, and have yeah. fresh water, but with the, all the industry that's being built around us, uh, well, what's the inherent issue with the water supply? Is it because 
we would have to borrow from other places? Well, right now we get our water from the Floridian Aquifer. Okay. And there's a belief that the continual deepening of the channel causes salt intrusion into the aquifer. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, and we are seeing salt intrusion. That's mostly happening north of us in Hilton Head. But the, what do you think it's going to? But it, it could come down, the, it, you know, sh- it down? should come down this way if they keep doing that. Um, and with, uh, you know, we tried drilling down to the crustaceous aquifer, the well imploded, um, the pipe bent. I don't know what happened, but. That, that was a few years ago, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And and the lawsuit uh, was settled on that. And and now we're trying to decide, you know, is that really the best way to go? We could we could run a pipe from Savannah, but with uh, all the industry and all the growth coming into, you know, southeast Georgia. We're outrunning our our abilities to, to supply water to these businesses. Right. And, and, and Savannah's maxed out on what they can take out the river. So they're looking at a huge upgrade to be able to provide more. Um, and then the Hyundai plant is, is, you know, the estimation is it's going to make the Floridian aquifer drop like 10 feet from the massive amounts of water they're going to consume. They're building so, a city out there. They're building, it's the, the site, the plant is bigger than Tybee. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's incredible. But so anyway, you know, there's, there's suggestions on, on ways to do it and there's, and we're going to solve it. It's, you know, we just have to decide what I, I prefer you know, taking water, taking the, getting, getting as fresh water as we can out of the river. I know it's going to be very salty and desalinating this. We live on the ocean, you know, um, and desalinating that, but the water is murky and it would be a, it'd be a heavy filtration. But process. what is the desalination technology at right now? I didn't think it was, it, it was close enough to, you know, have any real, you know, impact on us getting water. Well, there, there, it's it's emerging. There's more and more companies that are providing that service to cities our size, and so there's there's options for for getting that out there, and you know the cruise ships operate on ten thousand people on a cruise ship right operate on desalinated water. Of course, their their benefit is they're out in the ocean, so they can dump the saline back into the ocean, and it doesn't affect anything. We would have to pump ours out somewhere, you know, to get rid of that. And probably the further out in the ocean you are, the easier it is to desalinate. There's not a lot of other stuff and yeah yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, we would have to like draw from out there and, and <laughs> yeah that might be the answer too we, you know that option might is and, the, and of course that takes more energy you know that process takes more energy as well so uh, but one of the things we're going to do all that aside is decide what we're going to decide what we're going to do what you know what what we're going to do going forward for for fresh water supply for us is that do you think that that would be accomplishable within, even if you just did a two-year tenure, would that be accomplishable, having something set, something decided upon within yes. that period of time? Yes. All of council is very interested in this topic. They're, they're, they're ready to, to get the information we need and make a decision on it. And now, we won't actually have it in two years. But the decision but, will be made. The, the will budget be made. will be yeah. allocated. The, the gears will be working. Yeah. And will that carry over? Uh, well, you know, when you get a certain amount of money into it, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I guess yeah. it depends upon how, how far along we get with it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're going to make it, you know, that's one of those decisions that, uh, it's not, it's not left or right or property rights or anything like that. It's just the mm. basics. What's, what's the most effective way for us to do this job over the long term? But it's probably hard to, to drive public interest in something like that. So is it easier to get something like that done? Because there won't be as much public, even though the public should be more concerned about whether they're having fresh water to drink, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But they're going to dig in more to, you know, like property rights and things like that. We, we assume our government's going to take care of the, that basic stuff for us. Right. Know? Yeah. So I that's, mean, yeah. So, and that's our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> you signed up for it. <laughs> in the realm of, uh, and I'm no journalist, but, and don't claim to be, but. In the realm of political journalism, and and I'm sure now, uh, you probably have to field a lot more interviews than you, than you did before. Uh, I, from the outside looking in, I sort of view it as like the dog chasing his tail because <clears throat> I could ask you anything, I could, uh, even if it's a black or white answer, black or white question, but no matter what I ask or what we could talk about, you don't have the, uh, you know the iron hand to make a decision and say, yes, this will be done. No one does. Hmm. 
So it's hard to ask questions and... And you don't want anybody to have that authority, do you? Yeah, exactly. Or, Ostensibly, yeah. we work in a democracy, but yeah. <laughs> a lot of times it might not, you know, feel that way a lot of times. But so in this conversation with you, uh, when people know that I'm interviewing you, they're like, hey, ask about this, ask about that. I'm like, look, the thing that I can, one, the thing that I can tell you is uh, if I ask Brian about anything, he's going to have an answer for it. You know, like it, he, he's not going to be like, oh, uh oh, you know. I wasn't expected to be asked this, but also I understand the the futility of trying to pin something down when there's some when it's something that you don't necessarily have the ultimate control over. Have you found in your interaction with journalists or anyone like that has the dynamic changed uh, of of what they expect to get from you during an interview about hot button issues or non hot button issues? Uh, well, the, the, yes, cause I didn't do that before. <laughs> I mean, the, the pure fact that I didn't ever, uh, you know, provide a reporter information on what's important to, our, you know, our council and our, and our city and the things that are happening, you know, in our council, uh, in our city. So it j just, it's, it's different just because I'm, I'm not used to being in that role and answering those questions. But that said, uh, you know, I, I've, I think I've been able, there, there've been a couple of times when they asked me like about a topic, like for example, and I know more about this now, but when, when we had our first council meeting, um, the director of the historical preservation commission came up with their proposal to add a new, um, center Island, uh, historic district. And the next day, the and, and it's already been paid for and approved. She was just letting us know that it was being sent off for, approval on the national level and uh the next day the reporter called me and wanted to talk to me about it and i had <laughs> no idea what they were i mean this is the was. first time i'm hearing about it but yeah center and island does that mean like where they have that uh memorial at memorial park it's six it's six to 12th street east of butler um okay butler butler and east of butler and what's so the proposal it's supposed to be a there so when tabby was developing the uh and see when the reporter called i didn't know any of this so she would ask me questions and i'm going uh-huh yeah and she said i'll use something don't worry about it but uh <laughs> we, we um the, in 1923 the road opened to tabby and it it brought in uh a, the classic beach cottage style home that was developed in that part of the island uh, okay yeah from, I, yeah. from 23 to like 50. yeah whatever, no right? i got you yeah and um and we just happened to be in one of the we're our home was built in 1930 so our we just happened to be in a house like that traditional open underneath porches all the way around you know wood no insulation yeah everything was know. on stilts here for beautiful. a long time <laughs> yeah yeah just beautiful because when uh, the hurricanes come in you gotta you know you don't want to flood out your bottom that's right yeah and uh and so and then there were you know there were a couple of churches there are some other buildings that were important to that district and they the society the historical preservation uh, commission um they just want to encourage people to try and preserve that house if you can. Um, if you, if you know, can we relocate it if you don't want it, you know, or what can we do to, to try and keep that part of our history? Alive? Yeah. Cause I've seen some old, uh, you know, buildings or structures be shipped across the Island on a, you know, on a truck. Yeah. yeah. Which I understand. Yeah. I, I used to work in, um, uh, refurbs downtown and the way to keep your historical status, was if you kept X percent of the original building materials, which I get. There's there is a, a cultural thing. It's like, hey, th you know, this was the first settlements down here. Like it's important to keep that. But a lot of it was the resale value is so much higher if it was kept underneath that that blanket of oh, it's historical. Yeah. yeah. But on Tybee especially though, because the barracks used to be down here and all those things. Yeah, and there's a and tax the credit thing too. You there's right, the, yeah. you get tax credits for preserving and. And you can, I don't know, I don't know all the details. You can resell your credits and stuff. Oh, okay. I don't yeah. know. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. It, <laughs> there's a whole, there's a whole nother market, you know, for that. But So, um, code enforcement down here, and it was originally, uh, code enforcement just started like five or six years ago, maybe? Yeah. That, so, code enforcement was, I ran for office in 2019, and it was an idea, whenever the short-term rental argument was, was becoming more um, part of our community, um, the argument was that if we could just make people behave in the homes that they're in, then, uh, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about, you know, making ordinance for short-term short rentals. And so... So they, the neighbors wouldn't be pissed off about what's happening in the short-term 
rentals. Right. We could hire, you know, three or four, you know, ordinance people, I mean, uh, code enforcement people that would be the ones that go to the house and say, you're too loud, you're going to get a ticket. Uh, that was the original incentive of the code enforcement? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and uh, it's worked really well, and it wasn't expected, but I'm, I'm glad it did work out this way. Uh, now they, they pretty much take care of anything that um, we don't necessarily need the police for police like administrative type things so dogs on the beach and glass on the beach and those things are just like administrative um, fines that people pay and if you're if it's something criminal then they get the police involved right so is court enforcement um is it on a on-call basis like if if uh if they get a call that there's glass on the beach or are they uh patrolling they, they patrol um they also go they have um a massive uh camera system on the beach now and screens where they can see everything that's happening everywhere on the beach. So if they see um, a dog or if they see smoking or if they see a bottle, they can send somebody, uh, you know, to to go uh, to go check it out. Does that carry over to uh, litter? Yep, litter too. Yeah, and it, they were, you know, they they had some growing pains because I think everybody's heard about, you know, when they were giving people tickets for having dogs in their yards, in their own yards, yeah, that yeah, they yeah. weren't on a leash, you know, and so. There's little PR um, things to work through there. Uh, the, in my opinion, code enforcement. Um, you, you know, we want we want clean streets. We want to. We don't sure. want to look at dilapidated houses. You know, we want to take care of things like that. But simple things like you know, dogs in the yard, and you know, just. Do you think that was a justification for their jobs, sort of thing? Uh, Maybe being a little overzealous, like, hey, we don't have much to do on a Wednesday and it in was February. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, maybe so. I don't know. And. It was it was fairly new. We might have had fairly new people that were you know learning their way. No, understood. But I I just want your opinion on uh, because it, no one none of the citizenship I don't think would be against any code enforcement if it was, hey someone's throwing trash into the water like please go and stop that. Yeah. All right. The law is we don't need dogs on the beach. Fine. Let's you know enforce the law. But then as it trickled into oh someone's in their yard with their dog off the leash that that seems like an out an overreach yeah me too and it seems like a, a justification of a job like if we're not doing anything you know on a wednesday in february like yeah how are we going to justify our paycheck sort of thing well and then you know if and especially if you ask an officer you know to to be lenient or to not look at this or whatever the, you know their job is to enforce the law that's what they do <laughs> and especially as code enforcement <laughs> as code enforcement not being law enforcement <laughs> is even more of a thankless job yeah because they're not looking at you as an authority like oh you know they're they're not a cop everybody argues with them oh 100 everybody yeah. argues oh, with God. them so yeah. why would you expect them to give you any sort of break they go yeah. put their ankles in the water with their cigarette they're like <laughs> i'm outside the smoking zone now you know i mean it's <laughs> it's they they're treated terribly it takes it takes uh that's a good yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, well will, said. Will code enforcement have any um, uh, interaction with uh, sound ordinance uh, things? Yeah. And what What would they, be their they, capacity they in that? that for sound? Yeah. Uh, they They would if there was a complaint, um, and that's another ordinance that we we may consider. But there's if there's a complaint, you go to the person's home that's complaining, and I'm you, saying for businesses. Right, there, if there will be complaining about a business. Oh, oh, about the oh, you got okay, right. gotcha, yeah. And sorry. so you go to their home and you measure the decibel levels. The police have a, have the right equipment. Yeah. Um, some people want to say like use their phones that have a decibel app or something, and those, not not accurate. Yeah. yeah. So um, the police come and they'll they'll report and say, oh, it's it's you know eighty decibels, you know, and they get out the police got there with their equipment and it's below the you know sixty five or whatever yeah. it's supposed to be. Um, they want to. They were talking about changing the ordinance to uh, make it where they measure it at the at the property line of the business now instead of at the complainant's home. Um, I mean, per, personally to me, I, there's not much difference there. You're, you're it's still with the decibel level that sure. below the decibel level that it's supposed to be. Uh, it's supposed to be, I think, 75 at the property line and 65 away from the property line. So uh, I don't know the point of of that ordinance unless i just don't understand it <laughs> completely uh so yeah that's the way but i mean falling on the side of hey i i don't want to be bothered here at my house with you know loud music or whatever but within reason you have to understand that like things are going to be loud yeah but i mean to me that ordinance is very clear you know if, if this is the number it just you know? doesn't seem like it's clear though because 
I don't know if it's a training issue, like, uh, because if you can call and question the person taking the reading, like, oh, well, what kind of training have they had? And it's like, it kind of doesn't matter. The instrument is the instrument. The reader is the reader, but you can still argue on both sides of it. Um, I mean, we have to rely on the cut enforcement person saying, this is the reading I got, you know, and I think one ticket's been issued because the reading was over what it should have been. Right. Yeah. Uh, like in the past year. So, uh, I, I, you know, they're using a, they're not using the, they're not just thinking. Yeah. Oh, right. this is loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're using the instrument. That's what I'm saying. So, the instrument's the, the instrument. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, they are, our code enforcement has actually continuously maintained that instrument in locations to get readings over time. And yeah. You have to calibrate constantly. Yeah. yeah just like and, anything. Yeah. And they've, they found that the businesses are consistently under the level that, you know, they're supposed to be under. Hopefully. And I mean, because especially down here, uh, depending on where you are and whatever night of the week it is, uh, things ebb and flow and some people are going to be in a bad mood and get pissed about one thing. And like I said, depending on where you're on the island, people have certain issues with certain things. They won't complain about people, a hundred people walking down their street yelling. But if they hear an acoustic guitar, like, you know, 30 meters away, then there's all of a sudden going to be a problem with it. Do you think, uh, how, how much, uh, now as mayor, um, are you shielded a little bit from, uh, having to concern yourself with, uh, like the minutia of things? Do you, do you sort of, uh, uh, not take into account so much of the smaller things because you have to think big picture? Uh, I do try to focus more on the, the big, big ticket items that are important to the Island. Um, like, you know, we talked about water like uh controlling um controlling the inflow of people to the island during uh unpermitted events you know how do how do we get control of that uh having money for beach renourishment you know we're we're likely going to build a new emergency management shelter uh over the fireplace uh, fireplace over the fire station that's going to the government's given us a grant to pay for most of it and so um having that for when the storm comes you know um, and then knowing knowing who to talk to for the things we need you know outside of our yeah. government's important too. so unpermitted events uh i, I would be remiss i know i brought that about, up right <laughs> i mean we were going to get to it at I some point it. but uh so what's the you know what's the current feeling about orange crush we have uh several different promoters all pro promoting different things on the same weekend or on the same two weekends uh one of the promoters is trying to get a permit for food trucks to make it some type of an event that people would have an activity something know, to, to do to. besides just be on the beach yeah uh and uh the the permit the cost of the permit to to make that happen is incredibly expensive we've never had food trucks down here at all we don't have any I've never seen uh, a permit being given for mobile food because uh, Gerald's, or it used to be Gerald's, now it's Zunzi's, whatever. Yeah. He built a structure around his uh, chuck wagon. Yeah. You know, because you have to have bathroom. You know, it's a it's an ordinance down here. You have to have bathrooms and a structure. Right. I think it's on a, it's like you can get a permit for one, but it's like a limited permit. You can come for a day or like something like that. Like a day or two. Like yeah, yeah, gotcha. So they, they can do that. But... You know, and that's great. I, the effort, the intention is great, you know, to have something like that. But it doesn't control the people that the people that are here. coming down. Right. And who would who would spearhead that? Who would put themselves on the chopping block to be like, oh, we want this event to go on. So I'm going to try and get a permit for these food trucks because because they make money off of it. OK, they they uh, most of them don't even live in our state. Uh, they charge you know, you know how they charge people for things that don't happen. Uh, they they say there's going to be a, a pool party at this address, and the police break it up and send everybody home. Yeah. You know, uh, and they get bored and go out and fight on the beach and yeah. you know and uh, when there's nothing to do. The other thing when they there's ask, nothing to do. right? When they ask the city for a permit for an event, uh, we prefer a more family oriented type of an event. You know, even even. Pirates Fest is has a family oriented you know thing to it, 
but it's uh, also concealed not concealed but confined to like the big parking lot down there on the other end of the island. Yeah. If you have a stage there's music happening there's something to focus on there's vendors there was a parade there's a you right know, yeah and there's there's events it's not just uh, uh uh an open a come to a place yeah and see what happens and, and if the city's going to give somebody a public space a parking lot you know to do yeah. something in we want to we want any citizen to be able to you know go in and use that space if they but want do to. you think that would be the way forward be like hey if you want to have a dj or a music act have have a dj or a music act that is on this stage in this parking lot have vendors down there to sell food or whatever yeah with that yeah but i mean uh, one group has rented the the pier and they're going to have a fashion show on the on the pier uh I, the whole thing it, it's just the whole logistics of getting the people down here for those types of events especially when um the, the typical crowd we get for that is so unruly and so attention seeking. Uh, of course, not all of them, but you know, there's that element in there, but the majority uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it just makes it, it, the, the people that want to come can't get here. That does nothing for the city other than cost money. Yep. Um, and it's just, it's just a bad experience for everyone. And except for the promoter who makes some money off to getting people to come somewhere else, not his house. Exactly. And the precedent hasn't already been set of like, oh, there's a uh, functionality. There's a thing that you're coming to do. The precedent has been set that, oh, everyone just show up and let's see what happens. And yeah. it's like, well, obviously nothing, <laughs> nothing good is going to happen. Yeah. There's no focus on, hey, we're coming down because you're going to see this act play on the stage. Or you're going to come down to, you know, buy clothes or food or whatever from these vendors. Yeah. And we could we could create a zone where there's a stage and there's bands and you pay to get in and there's activities and something to keep everybody occupied. Yeah, but that's not on you guys. Like you're not the ones. Right. So <laughs> yeah. So who? But if somebody was willing to do all that and put the time and effort into it, that would probably be something the city would get behind. But, but I, I think it's so far gone now that there's no turning back from. It's still. I mean, it's almost a spiteful thing at this point. I it think. is. And. And, you know, when I'm talking to legislators about this and about how to handle it, the common response is, well, you know, they ended it in Myrtle Beach. And, you know, they ended it in, in Buckhead. And they, they're they ending it in Miami Beach, you know. And for some reason here, the attitude isn't let's end this until now. Yeah, right, <laughs> and, yeah. And, my, you know, we're going to end this. This isn't, this isn't going to be the destination for, for that anymore. Because the, the, the public opinion would be at some point like, oh, you're marginalizing people because of their race or whatever. And it's, it's so far past that now. Yeah. And like I said, in our last conversation on this podcast, it's like, there's uh, a, it exists in every culture. Like people come down to Tybee and are shitty. They're, they're not the best guests, you know, but particularly on those orange crush weekends, it is purely an exercise in defiance. We're trashing the beach. They don't like us. They don't want us. And for some reason, we've even, even though the citizenry down here on Tybee, especially, for whatever their their initial reason was for not liking this event, still it never came to hey we're we're going to end this because it just does nothing for anyone. But how do you end it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's there, be real. There's going to be so much police presence here that. Uh, it's going to be really difficult to have a good time <laughs> because before we've pipelined the streets, you know, to try and cut traffic off where it's like, you know, trickling into and off of the Island that caused as many problems as it, as it handled. But I mean, what can you do? Yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to have the, we're going to have the same, uh, the same setup we did for the, for the second and third events that happened last year where the, um, there'll be two lanes on Butler, you know, uh, there'll be a very large police presence and um, there's other things that um, are planned, but the uh, police chief uh, doesn't want to, um, you know, give away, you know, everything that's, that's planned. So tactically. Sure. So, uh, but also but, on their side, they don't really show their hand on when they're actually going to come down. Yeah. That's another thing that's sort of in flux. Like, yeah, the, the, they, uh, you, you can look at the, at the promotions and see when they're, when they've timed their events, you know, their supposed events that are going to take place. So you can kind of guess around that. Uh, but most, um, it's almost, almost always, you know, a Saturday, you know, the rental, the rental companies are already not renting, you know, 
the businesses aren't going to be open for them. I mean, some may, but yeah, uh, you know, it's it's just they're coming to nothing. <laughs> I think it's essentially been that way for a while now, though. But I don't think that's had a like whether businesses were open or not would have such an they're like oh oh darn the wind rose didn't open one <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah uh so uh just to finish off here uh what have you um in terms of your opinion on uh how you thought things would go um before and after being elected um do you do you feel confident in uh the people around you and you know your colleagues that reason will you know rise above all no (laughs) (laughs) so so, we don't all reason the same way right (laughs) understood yeah so what's the tact that you have to take now you know uh you know my my goal is for collaboration and uh us all to understand where we're trying to go with things a lot of times you know somebody has an idea that we should do this thing and they don't understand that something else is going on or there's another component or, you know, other people don't think that way. They have another idea. So as much as we can work together and share ideas and collaborate um, about where we want to go, I think the more effective we'll be. And we're not going to we're not going to make everybody happy, but we're also not going to be completely on one side and completely on the other side. You know, if we're if we're rational with each other, if we reason together, uh, we should be able to make decisions that um the you know what's best for the island and and not too divergent and and the inherent problem is with with any sort of reasonable argument is obviously it's going to piss someone off it's like hey listen man we have to understand that everything can't go everyone's way every (laughs) time well and we also don't want to see a lot of drastic change you know and and away from our direction you know we we if it's going completely away from our direction you know that's that's not good it makes you unhappy people start to panic one little thing here or there you know we can learn to live with uh so again that's why i think and we are we are very diverse in the way we think about things uh and i'm hoping that you know everyone will will stop and consider what other people have to say you know before we before we force our own hand you know and, but you don't feel that uh, uh, that thing currently that people are trying to force anything but within you know your colleagues uh, it's kind of early to say because we've only you know we've only had one we're gonna have another meeting this week where some things were on the agenda that uh, I didn't necessarily agree with uh, and you know a couple of them like for example there was there was one ordinance that we hadn't asked staff how they were going to be able to you know to carry this thing out and when staff heard about it they came back and said wait a minute this isn't going to work because of you know whatever you can't implement it because of this a b and c right so we took it off the agenda because now we we need to talk to staff more about what how we can do it to make it work is that something that wouldn't have typically happened before we should always and you know shirley would always say that especially when i would put stuff out she was have you talked to staff about this you know yeah and i would be like no <laughs> i just want my thing yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> this is a positive change though you know at least at least staff has the you know the wherewithal to be like hey look D- does a mayor have a chief of staff of sorts like somebody you brought along with you on this journey no and but you know no, no? uh Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's it's fine. It's not. I mean, it's not. It's not a full time. You know, it's not supposed to be yeah. a, a full time <laughs> role. Uh, and all the all the like chief of staff things. I think that that person would do are handled by the staff that we have. Okay. So, uh, right. yeah. So I, it would be nice, I guess. But uh, I didn't know if you like maybe had a Paxton in your hip pocket who would kind of help. <laughs> you don't want me in your pocket. <laughs> I mean, I thought about getting somebody to help me with emails and things like that, you know, but then, <laughs> then I was just like, well, no, they're not going to say it the way I want to say it. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not that big. Oh, that clerical work. I can't imagine <laughs> the typing, which is another reason Michael O'Connor is so good because he answers texts much faster than I ever would. <laughs> That's why he is a value to you, fire maker. So do you feel optimistic? 
I'm very encouraged. Yes, I'm very encouraged by the level of energy we have with with the with the council right now. Um, I imagine it's probably going to fade over time, but there, you know, new people, um, fresh ideas, you know, things we want to accomplish, and uh, I like it. I'm, I like the energy right now. I agree with you, and I'm glad that that you're the guy up there. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's really nice, you know, just to have like a fresh perspective and someone who isn't jaded already. Time will tell, but you know, <laughs> but we will see. Thank you guys again for listening this week. You can find us on uh, Instagram from behind the barcast. If you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash from behind the barcast. Mayor Brian West, thank you again for coming. Thank on. you, sir. Thank you for having me. Sunset Kelly, how'd we do? Good. Good, all right. So. We're about an hour. Hey, Brian. Thank you, man. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye, guys.